Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm moving, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome, hello, and welcome to show 657. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hope everyone is fine and dandy. Well, the clocks have went forward this year, and I'm recording this. We're to go forward every year. But we just completely, it's kind of not sidetracked, and we forgot the times. When just last night, though, you know, it was on the news, don't forget. And normally, being a gardener, you know what I mean? <laughs> I hold my head in shame that I haven't been looking for. You know what I mean? It's just passed us by. And anyway, that's just shocking. I'll tell you what's coming today's show. We have The Female of the Species by Tara Campbell. Then it is our very own Amy H. Sturgis with Looking Back at Genre History. That's all coming to today's show. I do hope you will stick around and enjoy it. So we'll jump straight in with the main fiction, The Female of the Species by Tara Campbell. This story was first published in Luna Station Quarterly in November 2013. Tara Campbell, just out of curiosity, if you Bought Bitcoin in 2013. Just see if you had a couple of hundred of them now. <gasps> Not that long ago. Not that long ago. Tara Campbell is a writer, teacher, Kimbalo Fellow and Fiction Editor at Barrel House. She received her MFA from American University. Previous publications include, or credits include, Smoke Long, Quarterly, Master's Review, Wigleaf, Jellyfish Review, Booth, Strange Horizons, Craft Literary, and she is the author of the novel Trevolution. That's a great name, that one there, Tara. I love that name. Trevolution. And three collections, Kyra's Bicycle, Midnight at the Oregon, Porium, <laughs> Orgaporium, and Political EF, a rage collection. Her fourth collection, Cabinet of Wrath, a dull collection, a dull collection is forthcoming from 
Aqueduct Press in 2021. There's some good Cabinet of Wrath as well. That's a nice Ntora. They, they're just gems you're picking from a tree. They're lovely. This story is narrated by Tatiana Gray. Tatiana is critically acclaimed actress of stage, screen and the audio booth. She has been nominated for dozens of fancy awards but hasn't won a single damn thing. She went to New York University and lives in Brooklyn, New York. And you can find her at tatianagray.com. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present The Female of the Species by Tara Campbell Narrated by Tatiana Gray Welcome to Vanthu, Commander Wilcox. I'm Trinka, Hearth's betrothed. <laughs> oh, yes, Jennifer. Of course I'll call you Jennifer. Hearth's friends are mine as well, after all. I am so pleased to finally meet you. Hearth has told me a great deal about your time together in the Corps. Oh, the first exchange of greetings can be tricky, can't it? What we do on Vanthu is likely different from what Hearth showed you. I'm sure he was following interspecies protocol. I must admit, I'm relieved to see you're using two of your limbs to stand on. That makes it easier to tell which appendage I'm supposed to start with. So, Commander Wilcox, excuse me, Jennifer, take this one. No, this one. We're not the ones getting married after all. (laughs) All humor aside, we're both so touched that you've come from such a distance to share this special occasion with us. When Hearth told me you were transferring back to Earth Zone, I was certain you were going to miss our wedding. But now here you are. How delightful. Is that all the luggage you've brought? My goodness, I would have thought a creature your size would need more room for garments. My compliments. How clever you are at compact packing. Please, follow me to the hoverlift. Commander, pardon me, Jennifer, it is quite something that you're able to spend so much time with us. You can imagine my surprise when Hearth told me you'd be here two weeks before the wedding. But of course, we're very pleased that you'll be able to practice the ceremony with us ahead of time. This is your first Vanthin wedding, correct? I'm sure our weddings differ from yours on Earth. This should be a nice change of pace for you. I'm sure someone your age must have been married a dozen times by now. Oh, really? Just once? Well, where is your husband? Or did you just recently vanquish him? No? So he still lives? This is most interesting. You must explain this to me fully once we get settled. Did Hearth tell you where you'll be staying? With us! Oh, come, Jennifer, no. That would never do. No, we couldn't ask you to stay with us. We must make sure you're comfortable. I've booked you in very nice quarters in the Tengian sector. Oh no, that's not our sector. But it's only one Earth hour away from our compound. Come, we'll take this hover lift. I'll get your bags. Please, climb on in and put this strap here. Well, try to get your upper limbs through this part of the harness and then... uh, That's it there. I'm sorry it's not a perfect fit, but it should stay in place for our journey. Just hold on to this bar here, if you wouldn't mind. Pardon me for staring. I must confess... I'm still thinking about your marital status. I've read about this, but I still can't imagine separation without a battle. That must create some interesting situations. 
I just don't know how I could rest knowing my former mate still crawls the planet. Well, ready for takeoff? <laughs> what am I saying? You and Hearth have flown a million missions across the universe, haven't you? Still, Hearth says my operation of hoverlifts frightens him more than anything the two of you have faced in the core. <laughs> but don't worry, this isn't a long trip. And anyway, Hearth hates to admit this, but when he's on planet, he actually has more accidents than I do. Here we go! He really wanted to come to the spaceport to greet you in person, but my goodness, he has such important work to do. I told him I would be happy to come get you. He tells me you are very independent, used to traveling all on your own, doing everything without a mate. He admires this, you, a great deal. Please forgive us if we've infringed on your independence by picking you up. Ooh, that looks like a nasty accident down there. How many hover lifts involve three? Looks like someone got thrown out of their lift. See, that's what comes of not wearing your harness. But he's all right, just lost a couple of limbs. He'll grow those back in no time. I must say, Hearth is so impressed with you. He tells me you're so brave in combat, so intelligent, relentless. Of course, this is to be expected from the female of the species. We know how to fight for what we want, don't we? So here we are. Let me help you out. Oops, no, 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 no. It's not a good idea to touch us there. I know, Hearth's uniform hid them, so of course you couldn't have known. That's all right. <laughs> Don't worry. Just try not to forget when you meet Hearth's relatives. Well, we'll all get together in about an Earth week. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Hearth will contact you before then. I believe I told him where you're staying. Ah, oh, yes, he has your communicator coordinates. Of course. So I'm sure he'll get in touch with you. Well, there you are. Someone will come help you to your quarters. I hate to just drop you off and run, but time is of the essence just now. Hearth and I are both in prenuptial training. He's taking it very seriously. Well, since this is only his third marriage, he was greatly disturbed by the outcome of his previous two. The poor dear is so sensitive. I'm sure he's told you all about it. No. Interesting. I thought this is something he would have shared with a close friend. No matter. Suffice it to say, Hearth and I will do everything we can to avoid another separation. Still, we must prepare for the eventuality, which is what the prenuptial sessions are all about. This will be my seventh marriage, so I'm a bit more familiar with the terms of post-marital engagement. But don't worry, I'm sure Hearth will be willing to take some time out from his training to see you. He wants you to feel at home. In fact, why don't you give him a call? I'm sure it won't cause him a major setback. Jennifer, it has been a pleasure, but I really must be going. So many arrangements to make. We'll be back in a week to get you. But in the meantime, please do feel free to contact us if you need anything. And welcome to Vanthu. Hello? Jennifer? Oh, this is Hearth's mother, Renu. Hearth gave me your communicator coordinates. Am I bothering you? Oh, you just finished lunch. Good. I'd like to visit you today, if that's all right with you. I know you weren't expecting to meet Hearth's family this soon, but if you don't mind... 
Well, that's great. I actually would have been happy to pick you up when you first arrived, but Trinka insisted, and as you may have gathered, she's very firm in her wishes. Always has been. I mean, even the fact that there's a wedding for you to attend is quite something. Oh, Parth hadn't planned on getting married again, but Trinka set her mind to it, and, well, there you go. Not that we didn't want Hearth to marry again, but he was so certain he wouldn't, and now... It, it, I just always thought that... Oh, just a minute, honey. I just need to refill my drink saucer. Anyway, I suppose I always thought he would be more interested in someone like you. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you seem like a much better match for him, at least from what he tells us about you. But he has this hang-up about, oh, well, he's a traditionalist, thinks everyone should date within their own species. I keep trying to tell him, Hearth, honey, before I met your father, Hearth may have mentioned, I was in the Corps as well, before marriage and larvae. Oh, just a moment. Empty saucer again. Whew. Have you tried Vanthan wine? It really is quite good. All right, where was I? Oh, yeah. Before I started a family, I uh, took my time to see if a Vanthu partner was really what I wanted. Mind you, this was a time when core regulations regarding fraternization weren't quite as strict as they are now. Or not enforced, at least. <laughs> I suppose there were larger issues to deal with at the time with the Oringian invasion. But you know, it was a wonderful opportunity to meet and work alongside beings from so many different regions of the universe. Oh, what do you know? That's the end of the bottle. <laughs> I'll bring another one with me when I visit you. You really have to taste this stuff. <laughs> that makes me think of this funny thing that happened with one of my Earth co-workers back in the core. <laughs> Our translation devices weren't as good back then, you see, and we were having some Vanthan wine. And this co-worker was telling me about Earth wine, and he... <laughs> Because his family actually made wine, you see? And he was telling me how it was made. And the translator kept telling me that he was pissing the grape juice. Not pressing, you see, but pissing the grape juice. And he offered to go get a bottle from his quarters. And, <laughs> well, you can't imagine why I didn't really want to try it. <laughs> And when we finally figured out what was coming through the translator, oh, <laughs> uh oh, oh, look at what I just did. You'll never believe it. I wasn't paying attention and just opened the bottle I was going to bring over for you. Oh, well, may as well pour myself another saucer. I'll just bring over a different bottle. Anywho. Those were some conversations we used to have in the core. <laughs> all those beings from all those different planets and universes. And you know, I am so glad Hearth decided to go into the core too. And so glad he met you. I always tried to get him to branch out. Get off planet for a while, you know. Growing up and settling down isn't a race, is it? <laughs> What's the rush when you got 250 years? And he's only 103. 
and had three pretty long marriages already, which is a little unusual, I guess. Of course, everybody's got to mate at some point, right? And that means someone's got to eat someone else's head eventually. <laughs> Just a sec, Jen. A refill. Anyway, Hearth never wanted to have larvae. But all his wives just had a, you know? And, well, you know, instinct just kicks in at some point. In our hearth, he's a survivor. So, unfortunately for his exes, they wound up on the wrong side of the process. And here comes Trinka, says she's all done having larvae and just wants to get married. But I don't really think she's done having young. I can see it in her eye stalks. <laughs> he says he's gonna resist it, but like I said, when Trinka wants something. So I'll uh, just grab a hoverlift and come on out. What? What do you mean? Why? Well, sure. I guess if you want to come here instead, can you read my cord? Cord. My location on the communicator? Okay, see you soon. Oh, and be careful in the air. Hello, Jennifer. This is Trinka's mother, Brine. I hear you had the opportunity to meet Hearth's mother. She is quite a lively creature, isn't she? I'm sure she told you about her time in the Corps. I trust you found it amusing. I just wanted to get in touch with you because Renu can be quite a handful. And, uh, well, to be quite honest, she can... How shall I put this? I just wanted to make sure you know that there are many kinds of Vanthins out there. And that she may not speak for us all in certain respects. Which respects? Well, uh, I can't really say without knowing more specifically what the two of you talked about. Or perhaps just the general outlines of what you discussed? Or perhaps just touching on a certain subject. The one that relates most directly to you. Her stance on interspecies relations. She is quite taken with the idea of reaching out to inhabitants of other planets, which we all applaud. <laughs> Trinka and I have utmost respect for her service. And Hearth's, too. And that goes for your service as well, of course. <laughs> but Renu is at times perhaps a little too enthusiastic in her belief that all inhabitants of the universe should share every aspect of their lives. I'm sure it's no secret to you that she used her time in the core to explore many different levels of friendship with colleagues from different planets. Let me reiterate. I am in favor of reaching out to all forms of sentient life, forming political alliances, professional relationships, even friendships, like your friendship with Hearth. Friendship like yours is the strongest bond possible between species, and you and Hearth should be very proud of achieving it. But, unfortunately, Hearth's mother has a history of pushing interspecies relationships 
beyond the point of friendship. And this is where her ideals and the beliefs of, I dare say, most Vanthins diverge. I hope you don't think ill of me for gossiping about Renewed's secret past. But, my dear, it is neither secret nor entirely in the past. Renu is quite proud of her philosophy, and has always encouraged Hearth to consider exploring all of the ways to understand other cultures, if you grasp my meaning. I dare say a young male with his wingspan and iridescence would have plenty of opportunities to overstep boundaries with females of various species. But Hearth is an upstanding Vanthin. He has remained true to our way of life. Renu, on the other hand, may have suggested to him that he should take more time to think about his upcoming nuptials. She might have even encouraged him to speak with you about how he feels about things. I don't believe Hearth would have wanted to burden you, a guest, with all of this. But Renu, I'm sure she has given you a lot to think about. If I just had a better idea of exactly what it was she said, then I could determine whether or not there is a reason for concern. Fishing. I'm not quite sure I understand. Oh, these translation devices still aren't perfect. I'm assuming you're not talking about the water sport on Earth? But I can't imagine any other meaning that would make sense in this context either. Let me be clear, then, in case the translators are not adequate to the task. Regardless of what you might have heard from Renu's mother, Hearth is very excited about this wedding. If he were to speak with you, which his training won't allow at the moment... He would tell you as much. <laughs> I will be quite plain. I will not have it said that Trinka and Hearth are motivated only by a sense of duty. They are both very proud to have agreed upon an honorable approach to their situation. And Hearth doesn't need his head turned around by someone who doesn't fully understand the issues, however well-intentioned she may be. <laughs> In fact, shall we try this without the translator for a moment, just to be sure there's no misunderstanding? I think I, I might manage to eke out a few words in English. I think best you go now. Understand? Hi, Mom? It's Jennifer. Yeah, uh, everything's fine. Yes, I'm, I'm still on leave, but I'm not on Vanthu anymore. Well, uh, yeah, he was supposed to, but he's with me right now, actually. And, oh, she says hi. Uh, <laughs> he says hi back. Uh, so, Mom, do you have room for guests? Uh, me and Hearth and Five Larva? Mom? Mom, calm down. Don't worry about what to feed them. He'll take care of it. Yes, he's sure they're his. Mom, don't worry, it's fine. No, they were... All actually kind of glad to see us go.
Petrinka, uh, the fiancé? She was all talk, but I could tell she was relieved when we boarded the ship. Uh, anyway, um, we just need somewhere to stay for a little bit, just until we figure things out. I told him I'd stick around and help. Well, you know, he's my friend, and I've never raised larvae before. <laughs> kind of curious to see what it's like, and he's... Well, uh, we're... Huh. Maybe Trinka was right. I... Maybe she knew I'd fight for what I wanted, even before I knew what that was. No, uh, not yet. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, I'll tell you all about it when we get home. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And there you go. There you go. Tara, what can I say? Thank you so much. And Tatiana, it's just that you're a star, Tatiana. Ladies, thank you so much. So, another female we have, our very own Amy H. Sturgis. Ims! Hello, my friends. It's time for another look back into genre history. And I have some information to share with you today that I just find to be fascinating. It brings up a bunch of questions of what if. And so I'd like to just dive right into it here and start with a word remembering a great American actor we have just lost, Yafet Koto died on the 15th of March, 2021, at the age of 81. He was known for stage, he was known for film, he was known for television. One of his famous roles was starring as Idi Amin in the 1977 television film Raid on Antebi. And he played a starring role in a television series I don't think gets enough credit for being as ahead of the times as it was, Homicide, Life on the Street, from 1993 to 1999. He had a lot of film roles that could be considered genre, including the main villain in the James Bond film Live and Let Die in 1973, and roles in Alien in 1979 and The Running Man in 1987. Since his death, there has been an outpouring of tributes from people in the industry and people who just simply love film and television about what a charismatic and remarkable figure he was and what his performances meant to others. Koto was simply one of those actors you can't peel your eyes away from if they're on the screen, just commanding presence. And that makes what I want to share with you next all the more fascinating, I think. You see, Yafet Koto was one of the shortlisted, on the very shortest of short lists, for the role of Captain Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation, the role that ultimately went to, of course, Patrick Stewart. 
He was a strong studio favorite. It was entirely possible that he might have been cast in that role. And I think it's really interesting to think about what that would have been like because he was such a dynamic, charismatic presence. Don't get me wrong, like everyone else, I love Sir Patrick Stewart, right? But it would have been a fascinating bit of casting there. As it turned out, Star Trek would not get a black lead actor until the next series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, when Avery Brooks was cast as first commander and later captain Benjamin Sisko. Koto and Stewart, both remarkable actors, they were only a year apart in age, so that wouldn't have changed much. But there would have been a lot of differences, and not just race. There's also a question of physicality. Uh, there's a contrast there, if you think about the next generation, between Jean-Luc Picard and, say, the first officer, Commander William Riker, and part of that is, frankly, because of the height difference, and also the hair difference. I think Star Trek has always had a lot to say about major issues, including gender, and in terms of portrayals of masculinity, this was something interesting. The fact that you have a bald man, frankly, and also a man who is much slighter than the second-in-command, clearly in command. Patrick Stewart, very average 5'10", Jonathan Frakes portraying Riker, 6'3". Critics and scholars have pointed out that this this contrast between the two really signaled the idea that this would be a different leadership style, that the focus was going to be as much on the cerebral as the physical, that this iteration of Star Trek storytelling would push back, in a way, against the Kirk style of diving into everything with fists and phasers, and yes, I'm fully aware that's an oversimplification of Kirk. But even the idea that the captain is the first one on the transporter, the first one on the planet, the first one on the away team, there's a challenge to that. There's a difference here. And so it is also interesting to think about different casting would have led to different visual shorthand, different visual storytelling. And I, I mentioned it in part because, yes, Yafet Koto had his hair. <laughs> and he was also a 6'3", just like Jonathan Frakes. So I became fascinated as I was thinking about Koto as Picard with the other Picards who weren't. So I ended up looking at the 50-year mission, the next 25 years, from The Next Generation to J.J. Abrams, the complete uncensored and unauthorized oral history of Star Trek by Mark A. Altman and Edward Gross from 2016, trying to uncover that shortlist, which I did. And so I'd like to talk for a moment about the other Picards who were on that list, the other potential Picards with Kodo. They are all roughly of the same age within a six-year span, so clearly that was a constant. As it turns out, Patrick Stewart was the youngest, born in 1940, but the rest were not much older. Koto was the only actor of color on that short list. The other actors were white. And the first I will mention is Mitchell Ryan, who was born in 1934, making him the oldest. 
And for our height <laughs> index here, he is six foot tall. He is an American film, television, and stage actor with six decades of TV credit. He's best known, perhaps, as Thomas Gibson's, or Greg's, father in the sitcom Dharma and Greg, which ran from 1997 to 2002 on television. He was also the bad guy, the villainous General Peter McAllister in the 1987 buddy cop action film Lethal Weapon, a pretty famous role there too. But for genre fans, and I think this is really interesting, Mitchell Ryan is perhaps best known for playing Burke Devlin in the 1960s gothic soap opera Dark Shadows. Now, I talked about how Dark Shadows was an amazing genre mashup with everything from time travel to vampires and a strong Lovecraftian influence. Back on my Looking Back in Genre History segment on Starship Sofas, episode number 336. So, I've already shown some Dark Shadows love here, and I have to say this is an intriguing choice, too. Very handsome, square-jawed, and authoritative. I think Ryan would have made a very interesting Jean-Luc Picard. Another name on the short list. This would have been a very different direction to go, and I'm intrigued by this as well. I mean, there's, there's, there's no bad choice here. Uh, Roy Thinnes, also American. Uh, also 5'10", like Patrick Stewart, uh, born 1938. He is an American television and film actor. He's done genre work, like the 1969 British science fiction film Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. That film is also known as Doppelganger. And speaking of genre, he won my heart over in a tremendous guest-starring role in a couple of episodes of The X-Files as Jeremiah Smith, an alien rebel, shapeshifter, healer. He was a kind of messiah-like character. And what intrigued me about his portrayal so much is the gentleness of the power that he portrayed. Thinnis comes across as a very introspective, internalized force, and his acting often projects that there's a lot going on underneath the surface. I'd say he has a very understated style, and I think it would be interesting to see what he might have done with Picard's intellectual, collaborative, diplomatic style. I should note that he is best known, probably, by genre fans for his portrayal of the lonely hero David Vincent in the television series The Invaders from 1967 to 68. That's an American science fiction program that was about alien invasion. The David Vincent character knows there's this alien invasion in progress and tries to thwart it but he's just not believed by anyone. Officials, the general public, no one. And his character really is this isolated and increasingly desperate and tortured figure. And I'm not going to say a whole lot more about that show because, hey, that would make for a great looking back on genre history segment. It is a fascinating show. It really is. And again, quite ahead of its time. So that is another option on the short list. 
Roy Thinnes. And now to the last name on this short list. And wow, what a name it is. This really blew my mind. The Belgian actor Patrick Beauchot. And on our height index here, he is also 6'3", like Jonathan Frakes. And another random fact, uh, has been married for more than half a century to the sister of internationally famed model and actress Bridget Bardot. Now, I say my mind was blown over this option because, yes, I've had a bit of a science fiction crush on Patrick Beauchot for quite some time, and I think he is a remarkable international actor. In fact, he reminds me a bit of Christopher Lee. If you know anything about Christopher Lee's background, you know he had all kinds of amazing heroic adventures during World War II, and he was exceptionally well educated and fluent in multiple languages. And all of that, I think, really came through in the way he held himself and in the mystery of his performance. There was always a lot going on with Christopher Lee. And I feel the same way Patrick Beauchot, uh, although his work has been traditionally a bit more art house, perhaps you might say. He was an officer in the Belgian underground during World War II. He was raised in Belgium, Switzerland, and England, attended Oxford, and speaks German, French, English, Spanish, Italian, and a little Russian and Dutch as well. He is known to English-speaking audiences particularly as one of the baddies in the 1985 James Bond movie A View to a Kill, and also Dr. Rowan Chase, uh, Dr. Robert Chase's estranged father in the TV series House, which ran from 2004 to 2012. His role as one of the series regulars' father was actually a recurring role. But perhaps the most important role he's played for our perspective is Sidney, the mentor of Jared in the science fiction television series The Pretender, which ran from 1996 to 2000. And that's another note to self there, <laughs> because I'd like to talk about The Pretender one of these days. A very underrated series from my perspective. And he was one of the main characters there, portraying a research scientist. He was a character in need of and pursuing his redemption. Ultimately a heroic character, but one coming from a sort of morally gray area. And the nuance that he brought to that was tremendous. I just can't help but imagine what he would have done with the Jean-Luc Picard role. And I think his candidacy for this role is important also because he does clearly come across as an international figure. He speaks with a slight Belgian accent, and his cosmopolitan vibe, for lack of a better term, uh, really would have resonated, I think, with what they were trying to do with making Jean-Luc Picard clearly not Kirk from the U.S. portrayed by Shatner from Canada. So I can't help but think that this short list including Yafet Kodo and Mitchell Ryan and Roy Thinnes and Patrick Beauchot, as well, of course, as Patrick Stewart, was just tremendously rich. And all of the what-ifs there just intrigue me to no end. And again, do not take my fascination here for any kind of slight on 
Patrick Stewart and his legacy as a great science fiction actor. And of course, that's not just Picard, although certainly he has played Picard in The Next Generation from 87 to 94, films from 94 to 2002, and now in the Picard series, which began in 2020, and has made that role utterly his own. He was in Dune before Star Trek ever came to him, and then later, of course, he's been in the X-Men series of films. He's even portrayed Jules Verne's Captain Nemo in the film version of The Mysterious Island. So certainly Patrick Stewart has been uh, a genre gift that keeps on giving. I want to end, as I began, with a word of tribute to an actor that we have lost. In this case, I'd like to note the passing of Latino-American actor Henry Darrow, who was born in 1933 and died on the 14th of March, 2021, at the age of 87. He was a character actor of great renown, stage and film, perhaps most well-recognized for his path-breaking role as Manolito or Mano Montoya on the 1960s television series The High Chaparral. In film, he played the baddie Trooper Hancock in The Hitcher, a rather famous horror role, and also Zorro's father in the 1990s television series Zorro. You may recall that I talked about Zorro and Zorro's relationship to genre storytelling in episode 628. Darrow also made Star Trek history. He played the role of Vulcan Admiral Savar in Star Trek The Next Generation in the very first season. And he also appeared several times in Star Trek Voyager as the father of main character Chakotay, as portrayed by Robert Beltran. Chakotay's father was Kolopak, and that was Henry Darrow. Robert Beltran portrayed Chakotay in Star Trek Voyager from 1995 to 2001, and I was moved to see a tweet from him after the death of Henry Darrow had been announced. He tweeted, The great Henry Darrow has died. How thrilled I was to act with him. He was a gentleman and an artist of the highest rank. His intellectual curiosity, his generous spirit, his joyfulness— were his great attributes. All young actors should study Henry as I did and learn. Rest H. I thought that was a lovely tribute. And I'll end, bring this full circle, with the next tweet from Robert Beltran, which was, Now Yafet Kodo, what a great actor, unforgettable presence and talent. And with that, I will say that I hope that you are safe and well, my friends, and I look forward to joining you with something completely different when we get together again to take another look back into genre history. Thank you. Amy, thank you so much. You know what we'll have to do? What Amy's got to do now is, and we're only like twice a fortnight now, you know what I mean? Twice a month, should I say. Amy's got to drop us a reminder when to put her segment in, because I forget. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 
like looking after your dad. You know what I mean? Dad, you've got your tablets there. You've got to be at the doctor's at seven. Then you're having a meeting with your friend, Ralph. And then you got your tea. <laughs> so listen, has any of you had the, the vaccine? I got mine a couple of days ago. And we are the Astro... Astrovetica, well, I don't know how you pronounce it. That's the one I've got. The doctor kind of set up my appointment. So just went, honestly, and it was like so smooth. And you just walk through this door, you signed in there. There's a sign, there's a security guard there, yellow vest on. I had to, he pointed to a gentleman who had another yellow vest about 10 yards away. And it was like that all the way to the reception. You sat down. I must have been in there two minutes. Lady came over, or lady called me name. Rounded into a little booth, couple of minutes, jab out and done and sorted. So the first, because I've had, we've had a few. I work in a, like a twelve-man team, and one of the lads just through the night teeth were chattering. He said he just couldn't cut because he was doing night shift as well. He just said it was so hard. Another lad, well, who I work with, ended up in hospital. So I was <laughs> with it, just like. A fever, so like a horrific fever. So I was quite a little bit daunted, you know what I mean? But then I, I took mine, and 24 hours, nothing had kind of, do you know what I mean? And then after 24, because I was thinking, I've dodged a bullet here. A full 24 hours later, for about, say, six hours, like a shivery, like a summer, summer cold for six hours, and then it's gone. And I woke up this morning there, do you know what I mean? I, as if hopefully it's never <laughs> no more because that's what I was a little bit worried about. Have, have you, come on, you know, we're all pushing on there now. You know, Starships were started like nearly, bloody, was it 15 years ago or something longer? So we're all getting on. Do you know what I mean? Have we had the jobs yet? <laughs> Until next week, just like to say, good night from me. Thank you for
If I could cast myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there.